Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Just walk with your head up high. Don't be afraid. Just take it one step at a time. Don't give up on your dreams no matter how small. Like a lesson learned Walking out from the cave Now in the light Respectful of all these words I Recovery. This is Monica, and I'm your host. Today is March 27th, 2012, and today I am doing a show about young people. Um, and if you uh, are a parent or a teen, uh, if somebody is telling you that you are broken, are you broken, um, and that you need fixing, um, I'd like to beg to differ and say that's not true and that none of us are broken and if you'd like to hear somebody who specializes in the study of the brain um, you can listen to or go to George Quant Q-U-A-N-T and George Quant uh, studied Transcendental Meditation and has been teaching it for over 30 years and UCLA studied how the brain works and the mind works with meditation and uh, they spent millions and millions of dollars to study how the brain works and found out that even if you were um, calling yourself an alcoholic or an addict or somebody in 12-step or in recovery, that the part of the brain that has not been used or tapped is completely perfect, that that part of you is not an alcoholic and it's not an addict. And In fact, most of your brain um, is completely pure 
Uh, now, I'm not sure if you are using Xanax and um, methamphetamine and some other strange drugs, um, what the studies are, but uh, I do think that um, it's really important that we deal with young people. Uh, so one of the books that I want to talk about and I want to promote today is a book by Stanton Peel, um, Dr. Stanton Peel. He is the author of Seven Tools to Beat Addiction, and the book that I'm looking at is Addiction Proof Your Child, A Realistic Approach to Preventing Drug, Alcohol, and Other Dependencies. And uh, I've had Stanton on before and interviewed him for my upcoming documentary, but um, one of the things that I was reading um, in his book is from page 101 about the difference that children are being raised today than they were, you know, raised um, maybe 30 years ago. And um, I'll just read this one paragraph here because I think it's so um, apropos for the change of the way things are. Um, Do you remember, or if you're an echo boomer yourself, can you imagine as a middle schooler taking long bike rides or riding a bus and being with friends for an entire Saturday yeah, I certainly did that in New York City at 13. And uh, yeah, perhaps you went to the local swimming pool. Mm-hmm. I think I did that at like eight or nine with my brother and sister, or maybe to the movies all the time with my friends. No adults were involved. It was your own idea, fun. You had nothing else scheduled. You were supposed to be home for dinner. Maybe you had a disagreement or got angry at your friends. Maybe you were late and your parents got worried. But your parents never thought to prohibit you from taking such jaunts in the future. After all, that was what adolescence was about. Such outings involved a remarkable amount of independence, something today we wouldn't permit preteen children, children in their early teens, or maybe even high school students to do. Among the reasons children no longer play on their own is the perception that they are in danger from child molesters and kidnappers But all indications are that the level of this kind of child abuse hasn't increased and that most such abuse occurs within the home. Stranger kidnappings of children remain extremely rare. What's changed is that you are much more likely to hear about such events today since they are a primary feature of cable news. But as a parent, you are just as obligated to assess the real likelihood of harm for children as to protect them from every conceivable danger. So I would like to talk about the dangers in Alcoholics Anonymous or even Narcotics Anonymous. I would say any 12-step group at all, but especially um, AA or NA. And from somebody who was in the rooms for over 30-something years, I would say that um, there's a lot of predatory behavior and that when I first went around, I was 18 years old. I'm really talking to parents now. Um, who think that you might, your child might have a problem. And what I'd like to say to you is that AA and NA are not safe whatsoever. And that, in fact, over the years, the cult aspect of somebody called a sponsor who is not a trained person is telling people how to live their lives, what to do like they are some specialist. And, you know, when AA first came about, there was not a lot of, solutions for hardcore real alcoholics, real alcoholics, falling down drunks, people who were absolutely non-functioning, which a lot of teens 
do not even get to that level when parents are either sending them off to a rehab. Uh, there's one case that I know for a fact that uh, there was a guy from one of the criminal uh, criminal. I don't think it was Criminal Minds, but I think it was a Law and Order show where his kid was smoking too much pot. This is in Los Angeles, so I don't know. You know, the percentage of teens smoking pot is probably pretty high. Um, and uh, he sent his kid off to this rehab where this guy was acting like a guru, and in fact, uh, he was uh, sexually preying on and having sex with the 16-year-olds. This, this was a guy who was running this. Um, the sober, you know, rehab that was in L.A. Uh, you're, so if we go back to when, you know, AA started, um, there was not a lot of uh, answers, and the per- people to be called an alcoholic uh, were really far gone. And I think that the escalation of calling a high, there's a few people in the chat room, how you doing, um, that uh, to call people... Uh, an alcoholic or an addict, which um, I was being called a teenage alcoholic as a teenager, um, is really, really um, deadly, and it's uh, really wrong. So um, it's gotten to the point that if you just begin to have a problem that people are labeling people, and then because of AA, uh, and because of the way it's all been sort of twisted and it's entangled in our culture, and I know I've said this before, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but it's really annoying. So in our culture, if I watch a TV show, uh, which I did, and one of them which I really like was Criminal Minds, and you know they had a character who we never even saw her drinking. And they do an intervention. I'm like, you know, she, all, all we ever see is, you know, she's hiding a bottle you know, in her drawer. This is a woman who works for the FBI. She's in a really expensive suit. She's got a high-powered job. But now they're letting people go, oh, you know, of course, if you're hiding if you're hiding bottles in a drawer, you know, that's not, you know, normal behavior. But to call everybody an alcoholic who um, who is having a drinking problem, maybe this woman has never even gotten into trouble yet. But she's drinking more than she wants to drink. Maybe she should go to drink link moderation. So you could find that on the website, um, Leaving AA, or even on my blog here. I interviewed um, Donna Corbett from, uh, she is the founder. It's around for 20 years on moderation for people who uh, haven't even gotten into trouble yet, but are finding that they are drinking more than they want to drink. So, Back to the teenagers, back to hi, hello, parents, or hello, teenager. I would highly suggest that you Google, put into Bing or Google, options other than 12-step. Alternatives, which I'm done calling them alternatives because they're not alternatives. They are other options. That uh, Put that into Google or Bing and see what you come up with, and you're going to find a uh, a whole plethora of other choices. So we'll start with Smart Recovery. And you click on that, and there's a guide, there's a video who talks to you directly if you're the one having the problem. And in Smart, they treat you with respect. They treat you with someone who you can make a decision yourself. In Smart, no one expects you to go to meetings forever. Uh, No one expects you to attend a meeting every day. And, you know, truthfully, anyone who is even an old-timer in AA 
that when Bill W. and those people got together, they were not meeting in his house every day. There were weekly meetings in cities, weekly, once a week, not three times a day, not 90 meetings. 90 meetings and 90 days came out of AAs, you know, throwing themselves into all the rehab, rehabs using 12-step books for their program because they had no program, and they were pouring down telling people, you know, it's 90 meetings in 90 days. Well, what does that do? Oh, well, if you drank every day, it's like, so what? Like, that's what Bill and those other people, they didn't go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And when I first went, are you kidding me? If somebody told me, you have to go to a meeting every day, you know, and you're going to be going here for the rest of your life, you know what I would have said? I would have said, um, I don't think so. Uh, I wouldn't have stayed going. So... um I'd like you to call in. We're going to do an hour show, 818-475-9211. If you are a young person, you know a young person, are you a parent? Um, do you have an opinion about what it's like to uh, go and sit in rooms and say over and over again, um, you know, calling yourself an alcoholic when you're 15? 818-475-9211. 818-475-9211. Hi there in the chat room. Um, so... The other part that I want to talk about, about things not being safe, again, this is to, um, you know what, I want to just read this. This is just a really short little paragraph that what Stanton Peel says, AA and 12-step treatment are particularly inappropriate for young people and can be limiting in ways that are themselves addictive. This occurs because such treatment demands that they adopt an identity built around the recovery status, which is everlasting. Um, and he tells a story about a woman who joined AA as an adolescent, and then, you know, it became the center of her existence for all of her crucial years in her life. And Lana, it says here, Lana's social life revolved around her AA friends. But in her 20s, when the boyfriend she met in the group died of an overdose, um, Lana didn't know he was using, the world became alien and repulsive to her. Um, she says here, finally I chose to leave AA but continued to stay sober. I didn't know what I believed. I felt continued continual fear and doubt for the rest of that year. AA, of course, says that you will always be an alcoholic. My ex-AA friends reinforced and encouraged my self-doubt, telling me I would never make it on my own. It was a slow process integrating into the outside world. I was so used to relating to people with AA language. I often felt awkward talking to non-AAers. But I got involved with a martial arts group, reconnected with loving relatives, and began working with other artists, and came to feel that I was part of that community. In therapy, I learned to accept my feelings and still go out and live. My life is full now, but it was long, a bumpy, it was a long, bumpy road to find the strength to be independent. Now so many things bring me pleasure, fulfillment, and challenge that getting drunk doesn't interest me. And, you know, I think it's really, really, really important to know that besides the fact that there is a long history of sexual predation by AA members, whether they have 20 years or 7 years your senior, if somebody is sober 7 years and you are sober 3 days or 30 days, trust me, they had a big 
uh, you know, advantage over you, which was happened to me. The advantage being that they know exactly what they're doing, and they are using the young person. Very often, I would say the large percentage of it is men doing it to women. You have gay on gay. Um, men and women hitting on brand new new people, which I have stories of people who have written to me and told me face-to-face these sort of things. And what happens is they are preyed on sexually by AA and NA members. This is not the outside stuff that we're seeing now of you have a guy who is a third-level sex offender. And, you know, I know there was somebody blogging on one of the NA Daytona sites, you know, who was upset about some of what we're talking about with criminal. There's a difference between being charged once when you're really young, you're 20 or whatever his age was, and he was up with an underage minor uh, once, and she had lied to him or he didn't know the age. I mean, that happens. That's You're not a third-level sex offender when that happens. And so we're talking about third-level sex offenders who are actually not even alcoholics and addicts. They are coming and targeting people at meetings. So parents, never, I mean, I would say never send them to an A 12-step anyway. I was watching a show last night, Breaking Bad, so I'm watching like the early episodes of their setting up, you know, the whole first season. And, of course, this guy is a meth dealer and he's a meth user and he's sitting there with the parents and he has like one joint that he puts on the table. And they're like, you see, you see what we found you know, we we told you, you know, it's like it's my way or the highway. Who gave the parents these rules about how to deal with their children? I'll tell you where they got it. They got it from AA, NA, Al-Anon, and Naranon. And you know what? Truthfully, I think they're out of their minds because if you look at the history of Al-Anon with Lois, she was a total victim, and she was living with a man who was having an affair with, I mean, he slept with so many newcomers that are the stories about Bill W., but we know the facts that he had the woman who was his mistress for some 12 years. So she, here was this kind of woman who put up with that crap and, uh, you know, created a group of women where they put up with it. Well, man, I tell you something. I, I was sitting watching the show, and I was, you know, getting a little pissed off because, I mean, they didn't mention anything about program yet, but... The way that the parents treat him, because they find one joint, and so they're saying, well, wow, I mean, I guess, you know, pot is still better than smoking methamphetamine. Uh, and, you know, someone talked about it, um, oh, this is the gateway drug. So they're sitting there with uh, the guy who works for the DEA, who is his brother-in-law. This is on the story of Breaking Bad. And he turns to him and goes, well, you know, that's the gateway drug. It's like not the gateway drug, okay? It's like they're so... Um, the gateway drug to what? You know, so we would talk about, well, alcohol, okay, so alcohol is the gateway drug. That's the drug, I mean, if we did statistics of how many people use, how many teens and underage people, under 21, under 18 drink and, and have gotten drunk, then, then isn't that the gateway drug? You know, um, uh, if we go to different parts of the country, then you have methamphetamine is used more than, say, in the big cities. But, you know, i gotta, I got to tell you, so I, my head was spinning, I'm watching this show, and I'm thinking to myself, who told these parents, how? They, why don't they read Stanton Peel's book, you know, on um, addiction-proof your child? And, and I'll tell you, the sites that I went, at, went on when I was reading all this stuff 
where um, Smart Recovery and Smart Recovery also has like a place for family. Then there's Rational Recovery. Now, Rational Recovery is Jack Trimpey is way more hardcore, kind of, you know, hit you over the head with calling the addiction the beast, which for my money would have never worked for me. I'd be like, you know what, it might work for food or working on some other kind of, you know, habit that you want to break. But I don't even want to call it addictions anymore. You know, everybody just throws that word around. It's like I was with somebody and they go, oh, you know, spending. Oh, it's such an addiction. It's just like methamphetamine. I looked at her and I said, are you crazy? Like, spending money, it's not like a methamphetamine addiction. Um, But in the culture, people just throw the word around and say, oh, I'm so addicted to coffee. I'm so addicted to sugar. And I'm addicted to swimming. It's like, guys, enough already. Like, it's everything is not an addiction. Um, so I'm watching this show and, okay, so it turns out that, I mean, and, and this is not, uh, you know, I'm not going to, the show, this is what I'm talking about is like in the first season, turns out that the little brother, it, it was the little brother's pot. It wasn't even his. And the parents tell him to leave and go away. And I want to say, I want to call up every writer on all these shows. And we have a caller on the line. I'm going to see who's in the queue here and say, Hi, caller, you're live. How you Hello. doing? Hi, can I have your name? Sure, my name is Karen. Hi, Karen, how you doing? I'm very good, thank you. So, Karen, um, what do yes. you like to say? A comment you'd like to? I've been listening to your show from the beginning, and what captured me or captivated my attention was that you were talking about how, you know, these teenagers go to these meetings and how they have to repeat all these things over and over and admit that they're alcoholics. And I don't think that's probably, that's like bad programming, you know, in in, in my way of thinking. Like mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. affirming something that is negative is just getting into their system over and over again. You know, and I had the experience of going to one of the meetings and mm-hmm. it was just very like, terrifying for me to see all these young people like punishing themselves instead of saying something that will take them out of the whole circle they're just immersing themselves into the whole thing more and more all the time so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know um are you um aware that there's other you know places for people to go there's other options before a and na um you know um not really like I have a friend, and she's been talking to me about it, but it's not the obvious thing, you know, like AA is the most, I guess, biggest organization that Mm -hmm. helps people with these situations. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I really appreciate you calling in. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, you know, taking your time and caring for all of us. Oh, thank you. Talk to you again. Okay, bye. Bye bye. So it was Karen who called in and uh you know, I was listening uh, on the note that she was saying I heard this guy on uh, KPFK which is 90.7 in Los Angeles. Uh and uh, I think it was Mario, Dr. Mario Martinez was talking about the brain and um how repetition uh you know, of repeating something even like um, like my friend and I were talking earlier, like if you say you're ugly, you're ugly over and over again, or I'm stupid, I'm stupid, or I don't know how to find my way, 
that um, you believe that, and uh, it's really, really harmful. And you know, even myself, with somebody who did say I'm an, you know, hi, I'm so and so, I'm an alcoholic for years, that it was really when I went to another 12-step program, like I attended Al-Anon for years, and you know, I found some of the things helpful there. And then after a while, I started to see some behavior that, to me, just seemed kind of I don't know. It just didn't just didn't feel right anymore. And I had gone to this other program, and people were negatively labeling themselves. And I thought to myself, "Wow, like this is really like this is really harmful." And so somebody said, "Well, h- how do you feel about why isn't it the same with calling yourself an alcoholic?" And I said, "Well, I don't know. It's just different." Well, now I don't believe that's true at all. Like you know, a year ago, I just said, "You know what? This is." Um, this is really harmful and it's not true. And uh, I don't think that any of me calling myself for the rest of my life, when I haven't had a drink, I haven't had a drop of alcohol since I'm 18, and I'm like, so 30, it's going to be 37 years. How ridiculous is this? That, that, And, you know, I went to the Tony Robbins workshop uh, with my son, and I was just like, oh, my God, I am so glad I came here after I left so that I could look at myself and say that was a belief system that was a whole picture I painted, and i got to say this. I have a caller on the line. I'm going to bring him on in a second. That at this young people's event, it's like they haven't let go. It's like they are clinging to the way they look, the way they dress, the way they act, that they are clinging to that I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, like this persona. It's a persona. It isn't real. It isn't really who they are. And I think it's a travesty that that's where they go and they spend their time when they could be living their lives. So hi, caller. Uh, you're live on the air. What's your name? How you doing, Monica? It's Kevin. Hey, Kevin. How you doing? Not bad. How are you? Fine. Do you want to say something? Well, I literally just, just tuned in, and I just barely caught the last bit that you just said. So what am I missing? Oh, okay. Um, so basically, I was talking about young people and that that I feel like that young people are lied to. When you have somebody who has barely been drinking calling them an addict or an alcoholic. And I sort of went, you know, the history of Bill and how all those guys were, you know, they were really far along. They had been drinking for 20 years, hardcore. They had lost everything. And that um, I felt that it was very harmful to, you know, label yourself that forever and to think that you had to go to meetings forever like that was the answer. You know, and I read some stuff out of Stanton Peel's book about how to addiction-proof your child, and I was sort of talking to the parents, you know, of about that I, you know, that it's not safe, and it's not safe because the predators are actually AA members. We're not just talking about third-level sex offenders targeting. We're talking about a real problem that's gone on for as long as I know, over 35 years, of AA and NA members actually targeting its own members, sexually and financially. And yeah, so why yeah. would you, to tell parents, no, and to tell teens, you're not safe there, and not because some boogeyman is there, but members in sheep's clothing could be sponsor, especially right. if you're gay, okay, you know. Right. So, you right. know, I was doing, you know, just talking about that and just how wrong I think it is. So, you know, you have some comment that you'd like to? Well, I mean, you see, I mean, there's, the first comes to mind is the more and more that is coming out in the media. You know, you'll see, you, you know, the, you and I watched that news where uh, one gentleman uh, had sexually molested a newcomer who wanted to do her fourth step 
coworker fifth step with him in a in a motel. Right. And uh, you know, and then uh, you know, there's other cases of people ripping off people for millions of dollars. That's just another recent thing, which is not uncommon. But what I'm noticing now uh, these days is that it's coming out more in the media, and I, I say I say it's about time. And these uh, the young folks that come in, you know, they they either get love bombed. And they fall for it, and they go, "Wow, yeah, this is a great place." Mm-hmm. Or they hate it. You know, I've known mm-hmm. Francis said they fit into one meeting, and they hated it. They wanted nothing to do with it. Right. You know, uh, going back to my past, I hated it. I was like, I, I really, uh, mm. I was like, "Well, I'm over here." I thought that you only just go to one one meeting, and that's it. You have to go every day for the rest of your life, or you know, mm-hmm. or just go several times for the rest of your life. Right. Um, there, there are good things. There are good people. That's the crazy thing is that there are good people. Unfortunately, right. there are some really bad people that do not have good intentions. Right, uh, there, right. there are folks that show up, and you know, I guess that's why you have open meetings. But there, are, I've been to meetings that were supposedly closed where people went, and they didn't go for sobriety. They went for research. You know, I would end up, you know, I'll keep this one particular person nameless that I saw in the business. Right. And... I mentioned, hey, I saw you such and such, you know, a time ago at this room, and right. they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I just went there to, you know, do a study on. I was like, I, I just, I, I didn't say anything, but I was like, wow, you know, I, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't believe it. And that's not the only person there. Other, there's so many different, ty- you know, types there. So it's really, you know, again, I stand, I stand by you when, you know, a place of recovery needs needs at least literature, at least, to let people be aware that, you know, you know, please watch your back, you know, right. and to let people that have been going there to please, you know, uh, you know, have some respect, you know, for your other fellow member that you're, you know, trying to get sober with, because mm-hmm. uh, it's a place, it's a place that I have found to be of hiding. It's, a, you know, where people that do bad things go and hide. Maybe they want to get some help. Yeah, sure, but you can't, I, I really don't believe that you, you know, should keep participating in your negative behavior and keep going to these rooms. You can't keep ripping people off, especially inside the rooms, you know. It's just, mm-hmm. just it's just, it's, <laughs> I can't even find the word for it. It's absurd, it's disrespectful, it's not spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what makes it, that's what makes it bad for the folks who are, who do have good hearts that are there to to, uh, to really sincerely get well and to help other folks old and new. That's that's what really spoils it for me. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. Well, you sort of. Uh, I think that. Um, do you think that? You know, uh, what is the solution? Do you have an idea for a solution? Well, again, the, for starters, the literature that you have worked so hard these past two and a half, almost three years, to fight to get. To allow you know people to say, look, this is not a place. It's not a. It's not a bank. People are not walking ATMs. Mm-hmm. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a brothel. It's not mm-hmm. a dating service. You know, and unfortunately, there's folks that go there for this, and it, that's what should be known. That should be stated in literature. And the resistance is just unfathomable. That yeah. you know, folks come back and have said, no, no. You know, I don't know why the resistance. If someone said. Uh, if I didn't know you and you came up to me with this literature, I'd say, this is good. This is a good thing. Right, I would have right. it. Right. 
mm-hmm. but I don't know why there's such resistance and why there are guys, you know, because I have tried to pass out literature that has, you know, printed by you in the past and, uh, you know, letting folks know that this is, uh, you know, you know, a new program you're working on and it's grassroots uh, development to let folks know, you know, this is, we're trying to make a safe recovery for folks. And some guys have said, well, is this AA-approved literature? Do you know how much AA-approved uh, uh, literature that's out there that is not approved? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, you know, and I'm like, if you, you know, I'm like, if you want to play it that way, then let's go over every little piece of paper that you have out there that you're saying we should go take and see if they're all approved. Okay. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of them don't know what to say. A lot of them don't know. They took the commitment because it's a commitment. So mm-hmm. you know, I. It's, yeah, it sounds I like there's. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know what to say. Monica, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, I th- I think that. Um, uh, I'm sorry, there was a caller in the queue. Um, I don't know if they wanted to talk. 818-475-9211 if you want to call back. Um, I'll take your call, 818-475-9211. Uh, one of the things, uh, there was a Young People's event, and we wanted to do some kind of safety thing. They wouldn't let us do it. Um, we had heard that there was a guy who was a predator on the committee. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that were said, but at the end of the day, um, between you know a ten day period, I went up to uh, the Pacific Regional A Service Assembly up in uh, Bellevue, Washington, which you know there were some five hundred people in a ballroom in the morning, and the title of the panel was called Predators in AA. And um, so the general service um, of the Pacific region, you know, five to seven hundred people got together, and on an eight o'clock on a Saturday morning they decided it was important enough a problem that they were going to get in there and they weren't just talked to you know there were four members excuse me ordinary members that were giving a valid talk on it and two of the women were just amazing what they said and then they had people get up with the mic and the 25 or so people who got up with the mic all but two talked about this as a real problem and I wrote my literature and people took it and we went with it. But it's going to take more than literature because if you have young people's, you know, ACUPA groups that are just all working out on their own and they're the ones that are resisting addressing the issue, those people are more highly sexed than the groups with the seniors in it. You know what I mean? Although seniors yeah. is where yeah, we saw the – yeah, we saw the financial abuse going on because the seniors have the money – and that's where, you know, it's two big stories, like you mentioned, where 7 million, you know, 23A members, $7 million. And, I mean, there's like five stories in the last year about the financial in the millions. But the thing with the young people are that they're the ones where the sex drives are so strong right now. And those kids are just, you know, it's just a free-for-all. It's just a free-for-all. It's not safe. And um, And if they would even discuss it, they should discuss it, but I think as a whole, um, AA is not not accountable, um, like the KKK, or uh, you want to compare it to, you know, they say, well, you know, we cannot tell how our members how to behave, and I want to say to them, guess what, you know, you're a 5013C, you are a nonprofit uh, in the United States, and we have laws about 40-year-olds having sex with 16-year-olds in every state in the United States. And they cannot wash their hands and say, well, it's up to the group. And then the group says, well, it's up to New York. We need your, you to write us literature. For me, AA has become a bunch of followers. 
You know, I mean, the reason I'm going to go to a Secular for Sobriety meeting tonight in Hollywood, SOS, I interviewed Jim Christopher last year, and he didn't like it back in the 70s, and he started it over 27 years ago. And I'm going to go, it's a free meeting, there's over 600 meetings throughout the world, um, and he, uh, you know, even the kind of thinking, the kind of things that have been said to you, Kevin, that have been said to me and other people that called in that are on the blogs, that, um, you know, the fact that uh, when they say it's an outside issue, it's like a joke. And I did two shows on the uh, traditions, and that second one that I labeled, you know, the tradition 10, 11, 12, these are the ones that are used mostly for excuses for predators being allowed to stay. This hogwash that was written in the 1940s about that we we can never turn anyone away we can never i mean they were not having third level sex offenders sentenced by a judge giving their stamp of approval that you should go to aa along with your violent past the fact that you've had already you know you were um what is it when a guy you know attacks a woman and they have a, a restraining order put on them they're going to send those are you kidding me that those back in the 40s and no no they were going after coca-cola and going after the biggest companies that the finest the creme de la creme of companies in the united states that that's who they wanted those fine people to come to a meeting not third level sex offenders and violent criminals who had already did really bad things that's not who they were inviting you know what i mean and so this blinder kind of you know when you read it it's ridiculous and the further i get away and step away from it when i read it i'm going to say you know what i wouldn't even go to a dentist who had you know the same kind of um you know uh equipment right you know to drill my teeth and uh or go to an OBGYN. Uh, you know, to take care of me as a woman for my female needs. I mean, even breast exams have gone eons from what they were 20 years ago. You know, so, I mean, I really appreciate you calling. Um, I have an unknown caller in the queue. You want to hang on here, Kevin, while I see who this caller is? No, no, sure. Go ahead. Take the call. Let's go. Okay. Hi, caller. You're live. Can I have your name and what city you're calling from? Hi, this is Harriet from Florida. Oh, hi, Harriet. How you doing? Hey, Harriet. Okay, and you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, hey, Harriet. How you how you? Yeah, this is Kevin. Harriet. Oh, hey, Kevin. Kevin. Hello, Harriet. Hi. Good, hi good. Um, I thought this would be a good time to bring up. I was on NADaytona.org, and there's a new article there about... Um, the National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges mm-hmm. do not recommend AA meetings for juveniles. Mm. Now, even though they don't recommend it, there's still many juvenile courts that are still sending juveniles to AA and NA. Wow. But this is a very respected council, mm-hmm. and I thought I would just... Um, reading mm. one little paragraph says many juvenile drug courts have not found the AANA model to be effective or helpful for their clients. Mm-hmm. It is not at all uncommon to step into a courtroom or juvenile probation office and listen to a youth explain that the AANA meeting simply did not work for them. Wow. Mm-hmm. The most frequent reason that youth give 
for leaving AA and NA is boredom or perceived lack of fit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're definitely bored. Um, (laughs) But this this was really good to see. And then it also mentions, and I wanted parents to know this, if they have children in the court system, Mm-hmm. And if they have any problems, they could contact us organizations if this is being violated. Right. It says, courts can legally mandate attendance at sober support meetings, including AA and NA. Wow. But all youth must have a choice between AA, NA, and secular programs as a result of federal court decisions. Mm-hmm. Officials may not order mandatory participation in religious programs, including AA and NA, unless a secular alternative can be offered. Hmm. Therefore, if a youth objects to the 12-step approach on religious grounds mm-hmm. and there is no other form of sober support available in the community, the juvenile court is prohibited from requiring the wow. youth to participate. Wow, this is great. This is a... A new story, because I had your thing um, bookmarked, you know, for my show, and I but I didn't, you know, open it up. So this is really good. Maybe this is something that we could partner with. Um, it's well, they re- have safety concerns. They, yeah. you know, the whole model, they, they don't think, they, another important thing is something you had brought up about not calling them addicts is that they actually say that it is rare that most of the juveniles coming through the judicial system qualify for the di- diagnostic criteria for substance use disorder, mm-hmm. FUD. Mm-hmm. So they, mm-hmm. they're they saying, and these are experts, <laughs> right. that the majority of them don't qualify to have a substance use disorder. Mm. And, you know, it does work for maybe ones they do feel are really addicted to some extent, but right, right. But I feel there's still many of these courts and judges that are very pro-AA that are totally ignoring this advice mm-hmm. and are being mandated, and teens don't have to go to AA and NA, and, it's, you know, they should have an alternative. So if you're not getting that... Wow, that's really a good article. I might... Um cut and paste or, you know, just please put a link over here. So we're listening. Um, this is a website for you, for anyone listening. Um, it's nadaytona.org. And um, it's And it's I'm really going to let you go. I just wanted to squeeze that in there because it, it seemed to fit with what you were discussing and, and just came out and seemed, you know, good news that there's professionals coming out saying this. Right, you know, right. I really appreciate it. with it happening. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Thanks, Harriet, for calling in. Bye. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Wow, that's really, really good news, isn't it, Kevin? That's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It gives the young adult a choice. It gives them a choice. Right, so right. Try. And I, try. I think... Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, they could try them all and see what they like. You know, see what works for them, you know, instead of just being, you're, you are ordered to go here and only here and that's it. You know, right, just right. So and I want to say, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. I keep on jumping on you here. No, no, no. <laughs> jumping on you. Um, uh, the, um, there's some new 
new, I want to say, programs that are being developed. Amy Lee Coy, who wrote From Death to My Part, is developing something now. She has a book, and um, a lot of people responded to her. And because she was in and out of AA at the age of 14, dropped off at a rehab, that didn't work both for 20 years, and finally writes this book and develops something that's more self-care and self-love, you know, a, a very different from, say, rational recovery, might be a good fit for a lot of women. And um, then there's On Track and Beyond, which Hank Hayes wrote a book, You've Been Lied To, and On Track and Beyond. So in his book, he, he sort of exposes the lies that are told in AA, and then he gives you a program. And he's also developing the same thing, the tools to, um, you know, live a successful, empowered life. And I know that Tony Robbins has an empowered, like a weekend for youth um, that is, you know, sort of a mirroring program that he has for adults. He has for, you know, I guess for teens. But um, so those are ones. And then even Drink Link Moderation has some books for uh, youth, for binge drinking, for college students. I think it's really a travesty. Like I, somebody sent me a link about Long, the Long Beach uh, University or what, Long Beach State. You know that they were all like proud that they started like this AA meeting. Is and I'm like, why? Like, what is this? You know, I mean, I guess they have religious clubs and stuff, but you know, um, I do think that everybody needs to know that uh, this smarts there and rational recovery is there, and that um, secular for sobriety is there, and uh, what am I leaving out? Women for sobriety. And that there's these, especially for parents, as, you know, Kevin and I are, you know, parents of teens or now one is 21, that, you know, most likely your kid is going to go through some stage of, you know, either, you know, get drunk. That Just because, like, I was joking with my kids that, you know, what kind of stupid crap I said to them when I was so drinking the Kool-Aid and, you know, Anthony was making fun of me, but I was laughing because it was true some of it was true and how i really changed thank god for you know stinking thinking and orange papers um orange papers is a website um mostly revealing you know some of the truths about AA that i didn't know and then stinking thinking was a blog that you know really wanted to shine the light and expose um just the cultiness and so much that i i just didn't see and i find that when I found when it was other bloggers that told me about Stanton Peel and you know I mean I think these kind of books should be given out and available to maybe middle school maybe eighth grade so that when your kid gets into high school that everybody doesn't think oh you need to go to a meeting you know well what kind of meeting are you talking about and making this assumption that the AA meeting is has any leader, which it doesn't, and there's nobody in charge, and there's no safety set up anywhere, and that who would want your kid to go there anyway? You know, and I think that I start, I labeled this show, like we are like men, you know, who are broken. We're like men who have lost their legs. They're never growing new ones. Like, I'm embarrassed that I even once talked about this. Like, you know, I finally was like, they beat me down enough. I didn't, it took like two years for me to buy that crap. Kevin, you know, yeah. two years, yeah. how long, I mean, what did you, when you first heard those lines, like in Chapter 5, and, you know, what did you think about that? I still don't get it. 
I mean, 17 years, I'm like, I, I, men who've lost their legs, they never grow new ones, you know. And then I look at the guy sitting next to me or across the room who's actually in a wheelchair, and I, I sometimes want to go up to him and say, what do you think of that? You know, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 that line to this day, I still don't get it. I still don't get it. I still don't understand mm-hmm. it, you know. Yeah, it's pretty. Um, it, what it, what I got that it meant eventually was that you are you are so broken, Kevin, that uh, there is no healing. Like there is no way out of this. Which is not true. That is not true. That's right. That is, that, that is absolutely not true. Right. You know? But but they're kind of saying. No, I mean, but kind of saying that if you listen to old timers, you know, which I know plenty of them women and stuff that the the rat wheel of what they're saying in their head that well you know my best thing i mean i've seen women with 25 30 years repeat the nonsense that they had to run things by other people you know that they were still broken they their their thinking wasn't straight enough yet well what the fuck is it going to get straight enough if it isn't straight after 25 years of sitting in these stupid meetings what a ridiculous program. You haven't figured it out after 25 years or 30 years? There's something wrong. You're, you're studying a book that was written in 1935 or finished in 1939 by some idiot called Bill Wilson who was a total predator and a crazy depressive jerk who was so depressed that after 20 years he had to you know, do series of, you know, <laughs> of LSD treatments. You know, yeah. doing a Ouija board, you know, tr- you know, digging anywhere. He was so, so depressed. I'm surprised that's not in the big book. There's a section on how to do LSD and Ouija boards. <laughs> I mean, it's just absurd. You know, it's really absurd. And I'm, I want to just encourage everybody to, you know, go everywhere you can. Get these other books. Blog parents don't do not send your kids, and parents you know look for other options. And the fact that many people just, um, I think that the way that we talk to our children, the way that we, uh, you know, tell them, oh, you're going to be, you know, your chances of being an alcoholic. That and therapists need to be educated, you know. I had to educate my therapist, and you know, two of them. And say, you know, especially one I did, you know, that's like that's not true. It's a lie. It's not a disease, and it's not hereditary. And just because I'm a singer doesn't make my kid going to be a singer, even though they're going to have the genes that they can sing. Maybe they're not going to choose to be a singer. And even if your kid is drinking crazily, like we saw with one of ours, that as soon as he turned 21, and as soon as we stopped, like you know, telling him all the crap and said, you are not powerless. You are making a choice. You drink, you you choose alcohol or you choose your family, but you're going to make the choice. And that was a lot from rational recovery, you know. But when you see the sanity of the way that I saw people treated at smart recovery meetings, where you can have a dialogue about something, right? As you saw, instead of everybody being, you know, there was a couple of people that were judgmental when you and I went that one time, but. For the most part, you could actually have a discussion about some really highly charged things that if you had that in an AA meeting, people would be like, you know, yelling at you, you know, screaming at each other or whatever, but certainly not having a discussion with an open mind. 
you know, that's what my experience. Right, 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 right. You know. Um, it's a sad thing, too, because there are folks that actually, you know, that actually go to meetings and they go to their, their first meeting. And you know what? They can have a wonderful experience, you know. Mm-hmm. You can have an experience. And, you know, for some, maybe they've gone to that same room and through the years have never had a problem. And I say, hey, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they're not all like that. You and I have both seen a huge change in the rooms. And, of course, you know, you know things will change, but not necessarily for the better in the past, you know, something years. Mm-hmm. You know, it seemed to have leaned toward this, uh, or it's either that or, you know, we've got more aware. I've got more aware of what's been going around, you know, around me in the rooms, you know. So maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe. I think I think it's a combination, Kevin. I think yeah. that um, the, that many people who, like you said, there's a lot of good people, stopped going to many of those big mixed meetings, and went to um, women's stags or men's stags, and everybody gets married and had children and have full lives and they're really busy, and go to wayless meetings. And so the big meetings that are mixed, um, there's that population that's somebody like you and me. Or like many of the women at the meeting that I used to go to, they don't go to those meetings anymore. So those meetings are dominated by court-ordered newcomers and predators and then the random person who just walks in who lives close by. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you you could look at how many meetings you attended, you know, and 10 years ago and five years ago and meetings that you and I have seen in Los Angeles that are gone. They just closed down and they don't exist anymore. There, there now. Uh, there are some court-ordered people that I've known that have stayed mm-hmm. for a while. You know, not many, but a few have stayed, and they made miraculous changes in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, but, mm-hmm. but, uh, I haven't gotten too specific as to what they've done. I found out in a couple of cases what they've done, and it's been pretty bad. Mm-hmm. They have stayed, you know, and I've seen their behavior, and they, you know, they have not. You know, show any type of behavior where they're going to uh, take advantage of someone, you know, physically or you know, or sexually. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that's, you see, that's 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 what I see as good people. That's what I'm talking about. The great things that can actually happen in the world, you know. Yeah, well, but, I think in, even in Hank Hayes' book, it's a good book to read. You see somebody, you know, um, who got into trouble, and but his story is good, and we got to meet him. So I think that. Um, you know, if anybody wanted, you want to read a really, really good book, I would highly suggest to read You've Been Lied To, The Untold Truth About Mainstream Alcohol and Addiction Treatment Programs and the Secrets on How to Eliminate the Problem for Good by Hank Hayes on track and beyond. He's a great, great guy, and uh, I look forward to, you know, hanging out with him again and meeting his wife. Um, I want to thank the callers for calling in. I want to thank Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much for calling in and being my co-host for today. Um, take care of uh, our dog. He's going a little yeah, crazy. Yeah, take care here. of that dog. Yeah, I can hear him barking in the background. That's blue. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, and um, bye bye. Thanks so much. And I want to thank uh, Karen um, for calling in and Harriet for calling in. And uh, check out uh, nadaytona.org. Go to Orange Papers. Uh, Stinking Thinking is still up as an encyclopedia. I want to thank um, people in the chat room who came in. Uh, it was a little quiet tonight. And um, But it's always good because you can hear any of the shows are archived. I want to celebrate um, 
It was one year that I'm doing my shows. I've had over 7,700 listens to the shows, and I'm really glad about that and glad about making the change and speaking up and speaking out that um, we are not powerless, that we are empowered, that there are many, many other options to Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, and they are Smart Recovery, Secular for Sobriety, which I'm going to attend my first meeting tonight, and I'll report back next week um, what I thought about it and how it went, and Women for Sobriety, and uh, all the good stuff. And I just want to thank you all, and we'll see you again next week. Okay, take care, and good night.